Hey friends, welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. I'm really excited for our conversation today. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of you. A little bit of housekeeping before we dive into the interview today. So we've had a few comments from a number of you saying our audio for the last few episodes has been a little wonky, and I just wanted to apologize for that. Um, As you might have figured out, we're getting some new equipment and new technology on board with the video podcasts and different uh, cameras and different microphones. So it took us a little while to get in our groove. I think we're getting it figured out. So if we had some ups and downs with the audios, hopefully it's better now. But thanks for giving us that little bit of warning and hopefully it's fixed. So today's topic is a really important one because as you know, we talk a ton about food on the podcast. And more often than not, that focus is on food that we might buy at a farmer's market, or you might be growing it in your backyard, or getting it from local producers. But I know that not everyone has that availability. And I know even for myself, we grow a lot of our own food, and we're sourcing it from great resources. But there's still some things that I'm just buying at the regular old grocery store. And that's probably the case for even more of you that might not live in a rural area, you don't have a homestead yet and you're working towards it, but it's not your reality at the moment. So I wanted to bring on someone who is an expert in the field of ingredients, and she is going to help us walk through and sort through all of the information that's thrown at us at the grocery store shopping trip and figure out what we should be really steering clear of, things to watch for, and how to find the good stuff. So welcome, Carlin. I am so excited to have you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we dive into all the the good stuff, can you kind of give us a little background of how you became so passionate about this topic? I think if I recall from your bio, you had some of your own health concerns that kind of prompted this whole discovery. Yeah, so it actually goes back to about 15, 16 years ago. And I had three little kids at the time, and I actually found myself with suicidal depression. And I actually attempted suicide. And by the grace of God, that did not happen, thankfully. And so um, when that happened, I hit rock bottom. And I was like, I need help. I have got to find the help. And so I went to doctor after doctor looking for help. And I knew that my body had not always been like this. And so I knew my body could heal, but I didn't know how it could heal. I didn't know what the tools were to make that happen. And so I went to doctor after doctor and every doctor would just prescribe me antidepressants. And don't get me wrong, I have nothing against those. They were life-saving at the time, but my frustration was I would ask them, will this heal me? And they kept saying, no, it won't heal you. It just will help you. And so I went on them for a while until I could find the help to actually heal. And so two years later, I actually found a doctor that was like, yeah, I can help you heal. It's going to take a lot of work on your part. There's no magic pill. Um, We're going to have to do a lot of lab work, blood work, urine, saliva, different tests like that, and figure out what's actually causing this depression because the depression's a, a symptom of underlying root causes. So if you have a doctor like that today who says, oh, I don't know how to help you, run. Because 16, 17 years ago, that was a newer thing. Now doctors should know how to help you heal. But anyways, um, how I needed to heal involved food and involved beauty products and involved my daily lifestyle and these lifestyle factors. And um, 
I had all these root causes of like low vitamin D. I couldn't absorb my B vitamins. I had food intolerances. My adrenals weren't working. My hormones were off. There was like a slew of problems. And it's like, no wonder why my body finally crumbled and was dealing with depression. And so I went on an 18 month journey with her, learning how to heal my body, what foods were good for my body, um, what things I should get rid of in my life, things like that. And um, was able to actually, after about two years, get off the medication, off antidepressants. And I've never had to go on them since because I've learned what nourishes my body and what makes my body feel the best rather than just being in survival mode. And so what happened was about four years ago or so, all I felt like everybody around me was suffering from something. They were suffering from depression or autoimmune issues or anxiety or terrible migraines, like all these issues, my friends, my neighbors, my family members. Um, and I just wanted to help them so badly. I wanted to say, if I could just cook for you for a month, I know I could solve a lot of these issues, but you can't just go up to your you know, neighbor or something and say that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start an Instagram account and just give little daily tips or tricks that can help people. And maybe some of them will follow me there and maybe I can educate them and help them. And so that's how my Just Ingredients Instagram account came about and then how my business has come about. And it was just out of knowing that there's a better way to live and a, there is a life of happiness out there and a life of health and fullness. And I just wanted to share that with others who were struggling. And so that's how it started. It's so powerful. And I know that your story, unfortunately, is not unique. And that, like you said, so many are dealing with those underlying issues. And there's just oftentimes it doesn't feel like there's a lot of answers in the you know traditional medicine structure. So I'm so glad that you did that extra layer of digging. Um, that's yeah, to be commended for sure. So was there, I know this is, oh, thank you. you absolutely. This is a really complex top topic and I, we're going to dive into some of these ingredients that are like the big problems, but in your journey, or maybe in the journeys of the people you've around you that you've been helping, is there one particular class of ingredients or that, you know, kind of the big one that is causing maybe the most issues in the highest occurrences, or is it kind of spread across the board? There's a lot of different issues. A really big one today in our society is inflammation. And my inflammation markers back then were really high. And so that was one of the things we figured out. And inflammation is the root cause of a lot of health issues out there from autoimmune to depression, to anxiety, to migraines, to, I mean, even joint pain and heart issues. Inflammation is a huge thing. And so um, one thing that I learned when I was on this journey and then I've obviously done a lot of studying and school and stuff like that afterwards. But, um, one huge thing was just staying away from hydrogenated oils, oils that are so inflammatory. And those oils are in a lot of our packaged foods because it's a, it's what allows a lot of those foods to uh, stay on the shelves for years and years. And so just being really aware of what oils are in our products is huge. Another thing that contributes to inflammation is the sugar. And we just have so much sugar in America because we hide it in everything. Like it's not needed in pizza sauce or marinara sauce or ketchup, but yet it is. And so we think we're eating healthy, but we might be still taking in a ton of sugar because it's hidden in all these, 
you know, just things that we bake with or cook with or condiments. And so just really being aware of the oils you're using, the oils that are in the foods that you're buying and the sugar content in these is huge. Absolutely. So if someone suspects they might have inflammation, but they're not sure, what path would you recommend that they go down to start figuring that out or getting that data? So I always say work with a doctor. Don't guess. Test, don't guess is what I say. But there's a lot of easy things that you can do if you're dealing if you think you're dealing with inflammation. For instance, maybe gluten or dairy is causing one of those inflammations. Those two things can cause inflammation for people, not for all, but for some. Maybe it's just you're purely not getting enough fiber. So increase your fruits and vegetables because fiber can really help bring down that inflammation. Um, maybe it's like I said, you're taking in too many sugars and too many inflammatory oils. And so to start watching those things, um, helping your body detox with sweat. So like exercising or drinking enough fluids every day, all of these things can help with inflammation. And so yes, go work with a doctor, but if you're in the interim of waiting and like, you know, sometimes it's months to see a doctor or whatever, you don't have to wait to see that doctor. You can do a lot of these things on your own at home. I was just talking to an herbalist yesterday. We were recording a training for a program and she mentioned inflammation so many times and we were talking about it and it just, I think it's tricky because it is so prevalent in our culture, but it's not a quick fix. Like you said, there's, you know, exercise and there's sleep and there's maybe it's gluten, maybe it's dairy, maybe it's sugar. I think it's, I think that's maybe why we're so inflamed as a culture is because it is such a broad thing to consider. And it's those lifestyle choices that are really, really hard for a lot of folks. Right. And also, I mean, it is the lifestyle choices, of course. And then it's all these synthetics and all of our um, foods. The, the immune system is just having a huge response to all these synthetics because the immune system doesn't know how to react to a lot of these. But yet we don't realize that that's going on inside of us. And our immune system attacking like that is contributing to this inflammation as well. So we just have to go back to the basics of eating whole foods. And that doesn't mean you can't ever have packaged or processed foods. Just find the packaged or processed foods out there that are actually made with real food ingredients like it would have been hundreds of years ago. Yes. So if someone is at the beginning of that journey, maybe like I know for us, we have your typical grocery stores and we, we grow a lot of our own food. But when I do go to town, I don't have Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Sprouts. We have your Walmarts and Kroger's basically. So if someone's in that situation, how can they start educating themselves or going into the conventional store? What do they need to, to look for and how can they start reading those labels and setting themselves up for success? So the, so the nice thing is these days, you don't have to go to Whole Foods. You don't have to go to Sprouts. Years ago, they did provide a lot of better choice options. And of course they still do. But thankfully, like Walmart has their own line of better choice products now and Target does and Kroger does. And so I feel like there are companies trying to provide these better choice options for people. Um, I think people are now to the point of demanding them a little bit more because they're tired of feeling crummy all the time and they're learning that foods can really nourish their bodies. And so what I say is you don't have to go on some new trendy diet or some new fad. This is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of feeding your body the best way possible so that you can live a life of happiness and health. And so it's not like going to your pantry and getting rid of everything all at once and being like, oh, I'm on this new trend diet. We got to buy all these new things. It's more of like, 
okay, let let me educate myself. And maybe instead of buying those fruit snacks that my kids love with the red 40 and the yellow five, I'm going to find at the grocery store a new version that is made with, you know, real food ingredients and not artificial dyes. And maybe it's just buying a better choice option when you run out of a product. And when you go to the store, like, okay, that bread maybe wasn't the best bread. I'm going to look for a bread without an inflammatory oil or, you know, whatever it is that they're searching for. But at the same time, that can be really overwhelming for people if they're just starting out and like know nothing. And so when I tell people that are just starting out, I'm like, okay, let's just try to crowd out some of the packaged food and crowd out some of the processed foods by buying more fruits and vegetables. Let's just start there. So instead of a bar for a snack, let's buy some apples and some tangerines and some cheese sticks, or you know what I mean? Let's try those as a snack rather than always the package and processed foods. Let's just start with trying to crowd that out by providing the better choice options of fruits and vegetables. So it can be as basic as, hey, let's just try to add some fruits and vegetables to breakfast and to snack and to lunch and maybe more at dinner. Just being aware and being educated. It's not this overwhelming thing because an overwhelming thing will never last. Absolutely. I love the idea of crowding out. Um, I know, I mean, I've been reading labels for a long time and we've been, I've been into food for a long time, but I know even when I do go into like a Whole Foods and I start looking at all of the packaged organic options, you know, there's packaged organic potato chips and granola bars and cookies. And I just get overwhelmed because I'm like, I know not all of these are what they claim to be, but they don't feel a hundred percent right. But it's just easier, like you said, go back to the basics, the whole foods, maybe even the stuff someone could grow themselves feasibly. It's going to just keep it simple. Right. Well, and I tell my kids this, I don't really tell this to adults because it's not necessarily true, but it's just such an easy way to teach my kids So I'll tell them, okay, look at, pick up the package. So like sour cream is a great one. Pick it up. If it says just like cream and salt, great. That's a great option. If you pick up the product and kids, you don't, we don't have that ingredient in our pantry, then it's probably not a great option. So like they'll pick up the sour cream and be like, oh, this has mono and diglycerides in it. And I'm like, do we have mono and diglycerides in our pantry to go get? They're like, no. And I'm like, okay, that's probably not the best option. We could probably find a better one out there. So if, so I tell people that are just starting, like read the labels. And if it's not an ingredient in your pantry, then it probably shouldn't be an ingredient that's in your body. So for the most part, that's not 100% accurate, but it's just a nice, easy general rule to tell people that are just starting. Yeah. Good rule of thumb. What would you say would be the big oils to stay away from? I'm assuming like Uh, corn oil, soybean oil, what else would be on that list? Yeah, so I say the seed oils. So that is like the vegetable oils, the corn, the soybean oil, the cotton, um, cotton seed oil, all those main, yeah, like you said, the corn, the soybean, the vegetable, the canola, any of those. I really promote extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil. And people will say like, what do you use when you're baking? Like it always calls for canola oil or vegetable oil in the cake or the brownies or, you know, whatever, the cupcakes. And I'm like, avocado oil is actually such a neutral, mild taste that that's a great replacement for canola oil or vegetable oil. So I love that today there's those options at the Kroger or the Walmart or the Target. You don't have to anymore go to the Whole Foods to get avocado oil. 
So it's just as becoming aware of what the better choice options are for our bodies. Absolutely. Now I have not used avocado oil a lot. Is it one that you can take to higher temperatures? Is that like more of an oil? Like if you were sauteing, you could use that or yeah. not? Exactly. Yes. So extra virgin olive oil, really, you sh- they say not to use above like 350, mm-hmm. but avocado oil can actually go to like 550. Oh, nice. So even for frying, when people want to fry yeah. something, avocado oil is a great option. Okay. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Way higher. Um, I know I was at, well, it was a while back. I was, we usually render our own lard and tallow, but I went to the store and I saw lard on the shelf and I was all excited and I went and picked up the package and it was hydrogenated lard. So I don't know what they did to it. Oh. I'm like, lard's already pretty shelf stable, you guys. I don't know why you had to do that, but they did. So um, for those of you who are interested in lard, which I do enjoy lard in pie crust and such, be careful where you're getting that because it, it's tricky sometimes. Yeah, it's crazy that they do that. Um, talk to me about MSG because I think that's one that has had a bad rap culturally for a while. But I noticed something interesting. It was, I don't know, a year ago or so. I, I usually avoid MSG like the plague. I accidentally ate something with MSG in it and I just got really itchy. And so I had Googled, um, is itchiness a symptom of MSG, it, eating MSG? And I was shocked that a ton of the articles that came up were from you know official sounding websites that were saying MSG is totally fine. Like you can eat it. It's not a, it's not a problem ingredient, which I don't really buy into that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on MSG. Well, it's one that is actually really controversial right now. I will tell you that. Um, and I think it just affects people differently. And so that's when you need to know your body and know what affects your body. It's almost like gluten, you know, like some people are like gluten is fine and other people are like gluten is terrible for my body. And so that's what I feel like has come down with MSG because there are true testimonial stats, research about people breaking out in hives, skin irritations, rashes, itchiness, you know, like that's not to be ignored. That is completely true. I mean, there's thousands of cases like that. But then the research is saying that, you know, we actually get a lot of it in our protein, the glutamate right. in our protein and stuff. And so um, it's a very controversial thing. And so I, tend to be like, you know what, you need to know if it affects your body or not. And if it affects your body, then you need to stay away from it, obviously. So. Interesting. Okay. So I, th- it's maybe more controversial than I thought I kind of had, well, and I'd been doing reading on that years ago. So then it was like always demonized. It was always like the worst possible thing, but it's interesting that it's more maybe case by case like gluten. Well, and they're doing a lot of new research on it, sort of like how salt was demonized for a long time. And now they're showing so many health benefits of salt. They are doing a lot of research on it. So I'm still looking at the new research, but the research to me is still contradictory. So that's why I haven't made a stance yet on it, where like with salt, it was demonized, but I actually really see the health benefits in a good real salt full of trace minerals, things like that. And so that is why I'm sort of taking neutral sure. ground on the MSG one. I'm waiting to see what what more of the research will say. I appreciate the data um, backed approach. I, I do respect that a lot. So uh, it's always good to see what, what it's saying. And it's interesting when there is contradictory, contradictory info. Um, I think I saw on your Instagram that you are a fan of Redmond salt, like I am. 
I am. Yeah, just because it's full of those trace minerals and so many of us are dehydrated. In fact, 75% of Americans are dehydrated, which is crazy. And so, yeah, that real salt is just full of those, you know, minerals to help our bodies. So, yeah, I try to push it quite often yeah. because table salt is completely different than the real salt. Yes. So, what are your th- thoughts on there seems like a high occurrence in Americans of uh, high blood pressure, things like that. And the response to, is to go on a low sodium diet. And so I often have people buy my cookbook or, or look at my recipes, which are really whole food based. And they're like, well, can I leave the salt out, you know, out of this um, sauce or this meat dish? Because I'm, I'm on this low, you know, high blood pressure medicine or whatever. And I, I'm always, I don't know. I, I say, sure, you can absolutely. <clears throat> but my hunch is, is how do I phrase this? Is there a difference between like a Redmond salt versus and how that affects your body versus the type of salt you're going to get in a highly processed, uh, like say a hot dog or a TV dinner? Is that going to impact us differently if we have those sort of health issues? Yes, I say definitely yes. A great book for people to go read is called The Mineral Fix. Um, but basically a really basic explanation is that sodium and potassium work together. They're sort of like um, sister minerals, I'll say. They help each other out. And so sometimes when someone has a high blood pressure issue, it's not necessarily the sodium, it's a potassium issue. Like they need to increase their potassium. Potassium and sodium actually keep each other in check. And so lowering the sodium just isn't always the answer as we have been teaching for years and years. Like it could be a potassium issue. And so real salt actually has that potassium in there with the sodium. That's why it's so important. And a lot of things that I feel like the white powders get confused, meaning a lot of times that high blood pressure and things can be due to sugar. Ah. Sugar needs to get the blame, not sodium. So sodium actually can help us in a lot of health issues but it gets the bad rap rather than the sugar getting the bad rap. So something to keep in okay. mind. Good point. That's, that's interesting. So mentioned sugar. Talk to me about artificial sweeteners. What are your thoughts on those? Those are creeping into lots of different food items at the grocery store. They are creeping into a lot of things. And it's in all these like low carb, fat free you know, zero calorie things because they are without the carbs and with, you know, so therefore zero calories. Um, The problem is, is that they're causing havoc on people's guts. Um, We have studies showing that it disturbs the microbiome. We have studies that in rats, um, the good bacteria was destroyed um, by 48% in these rats. And then 12 weeks later, their guts still weren't repaired to the point of where they started from. So we've got new science and there's more and more new science coming out um, of how these artificial sweeteners are messing with the microbiome in the gut. And the problem is that microbiome is so important, as we know, for the immune system. But for women, it's really important for our estrogen and our hormones. And um, most, almost all the hormones at some point come in contact with the gut, whether that's to be created or regulated or... Um, just managed by the gut. And so we need to keep our gut as healthy as possible. And so if we're putting in our, all these artificial sweeteners that are messing with the good bacteria in our gut, it's causing quite an issue. And in fact, there's actually a gut bacteria that really helps break down estrogen. And so 
we need healthy gut bacteria to break down the estrogen. And a lot of people these days have like a high estrogen or estrogen dominance is what it's called. And it could be, well, there's lots of factors, so I can't just blame one, but there's a lot of factors as to why women have this high estrogen, this estrogen dominance. And in my mind, the artificial sweeteners are not helping that issue by any means because we're destroying that or we're changing that good bacteria in the gut. And so it's just something I think we all need to be aware of. I think it's becoming more and more common, but unfortunately it's in the diet, in the, I say in parentheses, in the diet foods. And so we've got to start teaching women that um, diet foods actually should be the whole foods, the foods that nourish your body and allow your body to work as best as possible. It's not these zero calorie foods that may destroy or change the good bacteria in your gut, which then therefore makes you estrogen dominance, which therefore makes it hard to lose weight. Like it could be a vicious cycle, some of those zero carb things. And so it goes back to let's use the foods from nature that are meant to nourish and heal our bodies. Yes. I think, I think it was a number of years ago, I heard a discussion around artificial sweeteners, but their concern was like, they kept saying it was a neurotoxin. Is that, has that been debunked? And it sounds like you're saying the biggest issue is definitely the gut, the microbiome. It, is that neurotoxicity so, still an issue? So, so the different um, artificial sweeteners have different issues. So the sucralose is really the one that's in a lot of things right now that is disturbing the good bacteria, okay. where other things like aspartame were looked at for the neurotoxin. And as if you've probably seen, aspartame has been taken out of a lot of products. Companies didn't want that reputation yeah. and they've replaced it now with sucralose or ACE-K. And so that's why those two are really being um, studied now and research done okay, on them. Interesting. I have noticed aspartame isn't a buzzword like it used to be. Um, so right. sucralose, what should we look for on those labels? Sucralose, ACE-K, what else would be masking? Those are the two, those are the two main ones now in, um, all the products. A lot of companies are switching to like monk mm -hmm. fruit, stevia. I tell people when they're looking for stevia to look for stevia leaf, yeah. because that actually is different than stevia. Stevia is like a 42 step process that they go through to actually get just the stevia like extracts. So look for the stevia leaf on um, products. And thankfully, a lot of companies are switching to the stevia leaf and monk fruit. And so I think companies are becoming aware that people are becoming aware and that people want better things in their food. So look for those instead, because those are natural sweeteners coming from plants and yes. fruit. I know I, I had a bottle of stevia, white powder stevia a while ago. And, you know, everyone was talking online about how good stevia was, but I just had this feeling every time I use it, I'm like, this feels very um, like, like it should be in a chemistry laboratory and not in my home kitchen just because it was so processed. So ever since then, I've been like, I think I'll just stick with, I have a bag of ground stevia leaves. Like you said, they're dried and they, they work really well for teas and stuff like that. Right. Yep. Do you use a lot of monk fruit? Um, so I use them in the products that we make um, because a lot of the monk fruit on the shelves in the store are, are mixed with erythritol. Okay. And erythritol is just a sugar alcohol. So it's not terrible, but for me, it just causes a lot of bloating. And so for some people, it just causes like bloating, digestive issues. Um, it's not, like I said, it's not terrible, but 
it's really hard to find monk fruit out there of, that's just plain monk fruit. In my supplying industry, you yes. know, of making products, you can just buy monk fruit from suppliers. And so it's easier to use in my products than it is actually to cook with it at home. Okay. So does it leave that aftertaste like stevia does sometimes or not as much? It um, not nearly as much. That's why I think more and more companies are using it as well, because it is easier to put in products and not get that bitter aftertaste. Okay. That's promising. I think I, I got a bag at Costco a while ago, but I don't know if they've had it since. And it was, yeah, it was interesting to play with. Um, yeah. What does a typical grocery store shopping trip look like for you? People ask me that all the time. And what I tell people, because it's funny, people think that I eat like this kale and sardine yeah. and quinoa meals. I mean, like diet yeah. only. And I'm like, no, I eat the same thing that you guys eat. Like my kids will take a peanut butter and jam sandwich to school, but are they taking a jam with high fructose corn syrup? No. Or are they using, I should say, are they using a peanut butter that has hydrogenated oils and sugar in it? No, we're using a peanut butter with just peanuts in it. You know, are we using a bread full of canola oil or vegetable oil or sugar? No, we're using a sourdough bread. Just thankfully our stores mm -hmm. around here carry those. So that's easy to buy. So it honestly looks like probably a lot of Americans groceries, but it's just products that are better choice. We probably have less packaged food though than most grocery carts, just because I found when I was on this journey and I was just starting out, we were so poor when we were first starting out. And I was shocked that buying the whole foods and actually making my meals from scratch was actually saving me money than all of the packaged foods I was buying. I was buying like bars individually wrapped, you know, or fruit leathers individually wrapped, all those individually wrapped items really add up. And so I do stay clear of a lot of individually packaged things, but, um, and maybe we have more fruits and vegetables in our cart than others, just because I really try to get fruits and vegetables in breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I tell my followers, I learned this from a pediatrician, Dr. Anna Maria Temple, but she does plant points and the kids need to get 10 plant points a day. And that's not a certain serving. It's not like, oh, you have to have a cup of strawberries for it to count. It's just 10 different plants throughout the day. And each time you have a new plant, it's a plant point. And so um, at dinner, it's making spaghetti and throwing in some tomatoes and bell peppers and spinach and carrots into the spaghetti sauce, you know, to get more vegetables. And so Going back to the grocery shopping, our cart is full of a lot of fruits and vegetables. So that might be the only difference. But other than that, we're still going to have ice cream when we want ice cream, but it's going to be just real cream. Mm -hmm. yes. You know what I mean? We're still going to enjoy a treat here and there. We are not just all kale and quinoa. You I, know, I like, we yeah. add quinoa Thank to goodness. <laughs> yes. So... Yeah. I appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot of listeners do too. Cause I mean, I have, I have followed diet, diet gurus and cookbooks and such where the, it is the kale and quinoa and unseasoned chicken breast three times a day. And I'm like, I just, I don't care if that's what it takes. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I like, yeah. I like a bit of balance. Well, and yeah. And I've got six kids. They yep. would all like be complaining all day long and it's not yep. worth it. So it's feeding them the yummy foods that, you know, that we're used to lasagna, sloppy joes, barbecue chicken, hamburgers, but it's just 
choosing the real versions, like, you know, the hundred percent grass fed meat or the, you know, using the real food rather than the fake yes. stuff. Do you have any favorite products that the listeners may be able to find at their grocery stores that are just like some of your go-tos? Um, are we talking food, beauty, um, cleaning? Start with food. And then if you have some in the other categories, feel free to share those as well. Oh, Actually, that's, a, that's a hard question. <laughs> that is a hard question. I, I'm like, well, I love, okay. So let me just tell your okay. listeners. Um, I actually talk about food being um, part of our health journey because food can really nourish the body. But then I also talk about beauty products just because beauty products can be full of endocrine disruptors. And I found that when I was dealing with depression, that my beauty products were actually messing with my hormones. And so I do talk about beauty products. And then I also talk about cleaning supplies because cleaning supplies can also be toxins in our life and can mess with our hormones as well and be endocrine disruptors and actually full of carcinogens and stuff. And so that's why when you're like, do you have a favorite product? I'm like, Ooh, in which area? So, um, yeah, but food, um, man, if you gave me some time, maybe I could think about, maybe I'll tell you my favorite treat. How about that? Because food, I just feel like I buy like whole oats and I buy whole nuts and I buy seeds and lots of fruits and vegetables, but I'll tell you my little treat lately has been Olipops. (laughs) They're like a soda, but full of, they actually have vegetables and herbs and fiber in them. And so it's just a different type of soda to drink. And so that I will find at the grocery store and put in my cart okay. that is packaged and processed, but I feel like it's a better choice. So that's probably a favorite right now. Okay. I like that. I do. I still, I still like pop sometimes. Like I crave, yeah. you know, Coke every once in a while, but I am, I do try to find those. There was one that I did for a while that was um, stevia sweetened, but I'm pretty sure it was really processed stevia. So this one sounds like a better option. Yeah, this one I feel like is like the best soda option out there right now. And so, in fact, they have like grape flavor and orange flavor. So my kids love them too. And I don't feel yeah. bad giving them to them because like the sugar content's really low, things like that. So I like it. Let's let's talk about beauty for a minute. Are you okay if we just dip our toe in that pool for for a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah. I, here's here's my, okay, here's my deep, dark confession. I mean, I use clean beauty products. I had a gal on a couple of months ago. She's a friend who does like beef tallow face balm and she's all organic makeup and she's amazing. And I use a lot of her products and a lot of organic makeups and face creams, but deep down inside, I'm always kind of like, I'm just putting on mascara like a few times a week. Is it, does it really matter if it's organic mascara? Like, is this little bit of exposure to whatever's in the Walmart mascara going to cause an issue? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so here's my thought process on all of this. We can never avoid all the toxins in our life. We just can't. But our livers are overburdened. Like our bodies are overburdened with the toxins. So our job, I feel like, is to reduce the toxins as much as we can. So the problem today is take a teenage girl, let's say. So this teenage girl gets up in the morning. She takes a shower and first uses like body wash all over her skin. Well, the skin is the largest organ. We know that ingredients can absorb into the skin. Think of like a nicotine patch. That's why Mm -hmm. it's used like that because it can be absorbed into the bloodstream. So we know certain chemicals do. So a lot of body washes have parabens, phthalates, and formaldehyde releasers in it. And so parabens are what... um, 
preserve it so that you don't get any bacteria or mold growing in your product. So you do need a preservative. We just don't need parabens that are an endocrine disruptor. An endocrine disruptor just means that it mimics our real hormones so that our real hormones may not be able to do their actual job. So, and same with phthalates. That's what a phthalate is, an endocrine disruptor also. A phthalate actually keeps your smelly lotion smelly for five years, six oh, years. Okay. You know what I mean? Or it's what keeps our smelly shampoo smelly. So this girl like washes her whole body with the body wash that probably has parabens, phthalates, and formaldehyde releasers okay. in it. Then she's going to like um, shampoo her hair. Well, then she's washing her hair with the parabens, phthalates, and formaldehyde releasers. Then she's doing conditioner. Then she's maybe using shaving cream that has these endocrine disruptors in them as well, rubbing that into her legs. And then she gets out of the shower and puts body lotion all over her body that's got the parabens, the phthalates, the formaldehyde releasers in them, right? Then she uses the face lotion. And then she puts on deodorant that can have aluminum in it, which also is an endocrine disruptor. Then she's spraying herself with perfume that's full of phthalates to keep that perfume smelling good. So then we've got more endocrine disruptors. And then I'm like, well, then no wonder why these teens are struggling with dep depression, anxiety, autoimmune issues, all the, or infertility is yeah. just out of control, right? All these issues. I'm like, no wonder why. Look at what we're putting on our body day after day after day, multiple times a day, possibly, and multiple products a day. So is it the little bit of mascara? Probably not. Is it the continuous body lotion, body wash, shampoo, conditioner, perfumes? You yes, know what I mean? Yes. I think that's what's contributing to all of these health issues, not the one little time of tiny mascara. Sure. It's just, we're, we're just like swimming in a soup of it all day long as modern people basically. Right. Yeah. Right. And we know how to do better. Like think about like the 1800s. They had smelly lotion. They had smelly soap. They had yeah. all these nice beauty products. It's not like we have to have these things. We know how to preserve with natural means. So it's just like our food. Like I feel like we're in this pendulum, like our food swung so far one direction of all these additives and synthetics and preservatives and our beauty products did the same yes. thing. And now we're all sort of wakening up and realizing, and I feel like that pendulum's swinging back the other direction and companies are making these beauty products without the parabens, without the phthalates, without these formaldehyde releasers. And so thankfully now these better choice products are on the Walmart, Kroger, Target shelves. So when we're shopping, are we going to see the words paraben, phthalates, and formaldehyde releasers on the bottles? Or how are we going to be able to decipher that? So parabens are on the ingredient list. Phthalates, unfortunately, don't have to be listed because it's part of their secret fragrance. Oh. And so fragrance these days can be like 4,300 different chemicals, and they don't have to list what's in their fragrance because it's their trade secret. And so most likely, if it has fragrance, it's going to have phthalates. Companies these days are really proud when they are phthalate free and paraben free. Mm. So if you'll notice like on the front of a lot of bottles now, it will say paraben free, phthalate free, because if you've gotten to the work to make sure you've got a nice, you know, beauty product without those, why wouldn't you um, put that on your front label? And so you're, you're seeing that more and more, which is really nice. Okay. Yes. That's awesome. Um, Okay, so be looking for shampoos and body washes and soaps. What about the cleaning supply aisle? 
So same. In fact, the EPA did a study where they went and tested thousands of people's homes and they found that the air inside the homes was more polluted than the air in big cities like New York, San Francisco, things like that. And that's just because of spraying multi-purpose cleaner, you know, multiple times a day or cleaning um, the tile cleaner or the toilet cleaners and the laundry detergent and the, uh, you know, all these different things that we're spraying and putting in our homes. Well, and the plug-ins and air fresheners and things like that as well. And so I just say, stay away from those too. Like they're not needed. If you want your home to smell yummy, there's great essential oils. There's beeswax candles, put oranges and cinnamon sticks on your stove. You don't need the plugins, you know, you don't need these things that can have the phthalates or the formaldehyde releasers or the carcinogens in them. Those plugins have been shown to have lots of carcinogens in them. Why do we need to be breathing that in our home? And I tell people you, um, digest toxins and that's with our food you absorb toxins like when you're rub rubbing them into your skin and you breathe toxins and so that's all these things that we're breathing and so your cleaning supplies you're spraying those you are breathing that stuff in and so now with companies making these options with the better choice ingredients without these phthalates endocrine disrup disruptors carcinogens why not buy that stuff for your house. Right. Yes. And just reduce, even if it's not, you, no one's going to be perfect, but if you're just reducing, reducing, sounds like every little bit counts. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Sort of like a, you know, it's lots of little snowflakes that make up a snowball. So let's yep. just <laughs> make little changes that, you know, eventually will have huge health benefits to your health. Yes, I agree. Little baby steps. Um, okay. I right. think I got through most of my questions. My last question as we wrap up is you've touched on this a little bit. Um, for those on a budget, how do you recommend they jump into this journey of just cleaning out with better, you know, beauty products, cleaning products, food? Where do they start? So that's a great question because, like I said, when I was on this health journey, we were so, so poor when we first started. I mean, I look back and I'm like, I had four little kids. My husband had lost his job. We started, tried to start a business and that flopped. I mean, we literally had nothing. And so I told my doctor at the time, like, we don't have a lot of money. And she was like, things that you need to do can actually be free. She was like, for instance, you need to get more vitamin D. But she's like, if you can't afford it, then go outside every day. And thankfully at the time we lived in Arizona. So I know this doesn't work for people in cold yeah. things or cold places, but for me, it was taking a walk every single day in the sun, you know, and I got that vitamin D and I got the benefit of moving my body at the same time. For some people, it's reducing their sugar intake. That doesn't cost anything to reduce it, to just cut out some of that stuff. Um, also drinking a lot of water, like hydrating ourselves is really important that doesn't cost anything. Getting better sleep is huge. That's when a lot of detoxing and recharging takes place. And that doesn't cost anything. But I get what you're saying with the things that do cost money. So what I tell people is it just is, you're either going to spend money or you're going to spend time. So for me, it was spending time. Like I just had to organize what I was going to make for the meals I was going to cook my meal, my dinners at home, not by the package processed, you know, whatever anymore, frozen dinners. And so taking the time to plan 
what my meals were and taking the time to cook actually saved me money. As I mentioned earlier, that was cheaper than buying the the packaged processed foods. And um, I do tell people like we bought in bulk and we still buy in bulk. Like we have organic oats, for instance, organic oats in a little bag would kill my food budget every week. So we buy them in big 50 pound bags. So take the time to learn where you can buy in bulk and what you can buy in bulk. Don't buy these little one pound bags of organic flour or chia seeds. You know what I mean? Buy them in bulk. And so that's huge. Buying on sale. I always stock up when there's amazing sales companies you know, certain times of the year, we'll do these amazing sales. We'll stock up. Um, so I say that. So it comes down to, you know, the time of finding where to buy in bulk, where when they're going to be on sale, stocking up, making dinners, meals from scratch, and maybe taking the time to go outside and move and get vitamin D. So it honestly does not have to cost more. It may co- uh, cost time, but what's better, your health? A loss of health or a loss of time. You know what I mean? Like you have to prioritize. I love that. Yeah. And I I just, I love so many of these things that you mentioned are just so simple. I know when we were first starting out, we were kind of the same, we were broke. And so for me, it wasn't a lot of the real food education that I gave myself or experimentation I did was not completely just to be healthier. It was like, I can't afford a bag of potato chips. So I'm going to buy a bag of potatoes and make my own potato chips. But it was cheaper. Yeah. It, you know, it is time, like you said, but it is, for me, it always was cheaper to make it from scratch. Yeah. And it even goes with like cleaning supplies and beauty supplies. Like I remember one time thinking, I can't afford hand soap. I have got to figure out how to do this. And so like castile soap and water, yep. it was so cheap. I was like, why haven't I been making hand yes. soap myself for all these years, yes. you know? So there are lots of things that you can do um, and make from scratch that is cheaper. Yes. Amen speaking my language. So, well, Carlin, this was fantastic. So much good info to chew on. Where can folks follow along with all the amazing stuff that you're doing? So I am on Instagram. So it's just dot ingredients on Instagram. We do have a Facebook group. Um, we all, I also have a website and on the website, it actually lists a lot of my favorites, like favorite beauty supplies, favorite, um, cleaning supplies, some favorite food items, things like that. Um, I also have a podcast as well. So it's Just Ingredients podcast. And then on my website as well, you can find all the products that we sell. And so I have been making, I believe, the cleanest protein out there. Um, I'll challenge anyone who wants to go. (laughs) It's made from all whole food ingredients, no fillers, preservatives, gums, thickeners, emulsifiers, just real food. Um, And so we sell protein and beauty products and all sorts of things on my uh, website at justingredients.us. Awesome. Um, I just was looking at your Instagram today and there's so much good info on there. Anyone listening, like she's packing all the good stuff into these little tiny squares on Instagram, not to mention the podcast and the amazing products. So absolutely go give Carlin a follow. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and I learned a ton. So this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.